It's so wonderful to see you all here this week for the second part of our series about our well-being and how much God genuinely cares about how we are. Julian shared with us how important it is last week to recognize that God cares about all of us, every part of who we are, not only our spiritual well-being alone. He created every part of us, every aspect of who we are is beautifully interwoven together. If you missed the sermon last week, I'd really encourage you to catch up online. Julian really did set the scene for these next few weeks together. Off the back of our Sundays as well, many of our wonderful small groups are also following the wellbeing journey to dive deeper into the topics that we're talking about. Um, and our kids and youth are also following these topics. So I'd really encourage you to get keyed in, be part of the conversation during the week. Chat with your kids and young people about what we are talking about. Take the conversation beyond these 90 minutes together. And I really believe that when we do that, when we take what um, God is saying to us, not just on the 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, but into our week, that's when it really does make a difference. Our prayer and hope for all of us is that through these next few weeks, um, we'll be able to look at our well-being in every area. Our circumstances might not necessarily change, but our aim is to increase our well-being. Listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us in this season. All of us in this room want increased well-being, right? We all want to feel better about what's going on. So our topic this morning is foundational for us as we begin to examine the different areas of our well-being as we will in the coming weeks. Emotional, spiritual, financial, vocational and physical. And that is what is our mindset. Whether this morning your well-being is in a really great place or whether you're actually feeling completely and utterly exhausted, the mindset we have towards our well-being really matters. And I believe this morning God has something specific for each of us because he really does care and want us to thrive. Before we get stuck in, I'm just gonna pray for us um, this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us and that you care so much about us. This morning, let your will be done. Speak to us this morning, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to this place. Have your way with us. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'll be focusing a lot on what we can learn from the life of Elijah, an Old Testament prophet. Um, some of you in this room will be really familiar with the story. Others of us might not ever have heard about him before. Um, but this morning, I'd love to give us a brief overview of his life before we dive in. His story is found in 1 Kings 17 all the way through to 2 Kings 2. And it really is a remarkable story of someone's life with incredible highs and incredible lows. One of my favorite things about how the Bible tells stories about people is that it doesn't gloss over the facts. We see the good, the bad, and the ugly of people's lives. Even those that we uphold as fathers of the faith, we get an insight into those times that they struggled or found things difficult. Elijah is no different. We first meet Elijah in 1 Kings 17 when he is full of incredible power and provision from God. He's supernaturally provided for by God. He performs an incredible miracle of provision for a widow and her family. And he even raises someone from the dead. I'm not sure about you, but I think in those moments, if I was Elijah, I would be feeling pretty confident in God, right? But that's not all. God conti um, Elijah continues to experience these incredible moments. He goes up a mountain and literally calls down fire onto a water-drenched altar to demonstrate the power of God to a community that turned away from him. Just 
the most incredible, powerful moments, a stunning story of God's incredible power and might. Yet, as we'll go on to read in a moment, Elijah hits an incredible low at this point and runs away in fear. How is it that someone encountering God in such incredible and powerful ways suddenly ends up crushed? Have you ever felt crushed in a moment when it seems on the outside that everything should be really great? Or those moments when something completely takes you by surprise and derails you entirely? For me personally, 2018 was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life in terms of my well-being. I'm not sure if I would say I was entirely burnt out, but I came really quite close. See, I've always been someone in my life who have loved to fill every moment with activity. As a teenager, I was involved in loads. Um, I was involved in groups and projects, trying to do well at school, all of those things. And I love having a really full life, but I really have had to learn how to pace and manage my life well to achieve balance. I actually found my year six leavers book the other day and um, a note from my year six teacher was in there and it included the advice to remember to slow down. I would tend to have had sick days probably every six months or so during school and my dad always used to joke a little bit when they happened because it really was often I think not because of sickness but because of a lack of rest. I was doing too much and I was running too hard. In 2018, my tendency to thrive in busyness, and to be totally honest, sometimes find my identity in that, um, came to a bit of a head. In 2018, it was, it was very busy for me. Um, for context, I was finishing a full-time master's degree. I was starting a new job overseeing a big team of volunteers and dealing with some really difficult pastoral issues. I was leading our youth ministry, serving on church teams, preparing and planning for me and Julian to get married, and relocating my life entirely to a new city. I say that not to sound impressive in any way, shape or form, but to give context to the fact that I just wasn't coping. As Julian reminded me yesterday when I was talking about this with him, he called me a bit of a silly sausage. There was a bit too much going on that year. And honestly, I found myself absolutely paralyzed by anxiety. There are moments when I would lock myself in my office at work and cry out the back or have a panic attack um, in our cafe space. Julian started to need to drive me to work and honestly, I would be sobbing and hyperventilating the whole journey there. I was burning out and I was fearful, even in the midst of this incredible happiness and joy of a new start of getting married, moving location. In the middle of that happiness and joy was this deep rooted fear. Something had to change in my life. And honestly, it required bravery, which is really, really hard to find when you're feeling fearful, right? I needed to learn to look after myself, to create boundaries, and to implement genuine Sabbath rest into my life, something that I don't think I'd ever really, truly understood. I sought professional support, I saw a counsellor, and over time, I began to shape a healthier way of living. There are some lessons from Elijah's story that I really wish I had learned a little bit earlier. And they continually challenge me to revisit them um, and to reset them in my own life because life happens and seasons change. But to help me have a better well-being mindset, some of Elijah's story really helps. So we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. There are three key things that we really need to know, I believe, to help us develop a really good well-being mindset. And 
we, they're not just developed, you continue to develop these things. They're really important to us. Well-being isn't static. You can't just sort it out. It's something we continually have to readdress. This morning, as we look at Elijah's life and explore what he can teach us through his life, I have by no means got my well-being mindset sorted. It's something that I still find difficult at times. Boundaries can be really hard. And we all worry about different people's opinions and things like that. But this is something that I think is really important to readjust when we're juggling life together. This is a journey that we're on over these next few weeks together, right? But I do want to share some of the things that I've already journeyed and things I have learned because our stories really do help each other. There are people in this room whose own stories inspire and encourage me too. I'd encourage you to talk about your journey together. So the first thing that is really important for us to know and understand is to know who you really are. In 1 Kings 19 verses 3 to 5, it says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judea, in Judah, he left his servant there. Whilst he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. Knowing who you are is such an important foundation for our lives. Is there anyone in this room that really enjoys a TV programme like Who Do You Think You Are or Long Lost Families? Anyone? I, I love them. I think they're great. Um, my mother-in-law, Alex, was adopted when she was younger and she's given me permission to share a little bit of her story. Um, but she never knew her birth family until about 15 years ago when she discovered her mum's family in Liverpool. And it was a beautiful reuniting of um, two sisters who had never grown up together. Then last year, she discovered her birth father's family and found out she had another eight half-siblings. You see, I thought, if I thought I'd married into a big family five years ago, it's the size of a small church now, um, but family and heritage really is a massive part of who we are. And how we view who we are has such an impact on our entire lives. If we don't know who we are, if we aren't sure of our identity or of our own view of ourselves that is maybe warped or wrong, it can affect every single part of our well-being. Without knowing who we are, who God says we are, we leave ourselves open to every thought of insecurity, every comment and opinion, and it can really control our lives. I can remember as a young teenage girl being really self-conscious and not really understanding my identity at all. Honestly, I'm not sure many teenagers really do understand exactly who God has made them to be. It's a and I'm not sure any of us as adults know the fullness of that either. Many of you wouldn't know this, but um, as I wear contact lenses, but I have really quite poor vision and I've worn glasses for as long as I can remember. Um, glasses are now quite trendy, um, so I'm told I've met some um, teenagers in some of the youth work I've been doing that wear glasses with no prescription because they look cool. Um, and I'm really pleased that that shifted, but when I was younger, Glasses weren't a particularly cool thing to wear, not in my friendship circles anyway. And I was often picked on and it became one of the things that I started to struggle with. For a long time, I believed other people's comments and opinions about how I looked and found my identity in those things rather than believing what God says about me and finding my identity in those. We all have things across our lives that maybe that is the case for. It's not easy to avoid comparison and insecurity, especially when we're so connected all the time. Social media is an incredible tool for staying connected, 
but we all know but we also know that it can breed comparison we all know that most people only post highlights but that doesn't make it easier when things aren't going well it can be easy to think that a change in circumstance will change our mindset but we see so many examples of when it doesn't i'm sure perhaps we can all think of someone with success money and fame who still struggled with their well-being our well-being is so complex and multifaceted and it shifts throughout our lives but it's a part of who we are as elijah ran into the wilderness there was an irony right he was experiencing so much success and favor with god he seemed to have such confidence in god and a boldness in his relationship with him and his identity i mean even his name elijah means the lord is my god but suddenly we see this bold confident man deflated and lost he had lost his perspective and at this point is literally begging god to let him die for those of us who have been around church for any length of time hopefully you have been told and know how loved you are by god and that your identity is rooted in his love for you as children we sing songs about the fact that jesus loves me this i know we know up here that he loves and cherishes us right that he is for us and not against us but there's moments when our heart struggles to accept it in some of my darkest moments when i felt totally depleted and overwhelmed or just wanted to hibernate until spring comes around i know it can be hard to live in the truth that i know and believe but i'm perhaps struggling to reconcile in the situation i'm facing even though i have experienced the power and love countless times before of god but perspective is important and knowing who we are is foundational to all of this this morning i really want to take a moment to remind all of us that identity is not defined by our past it's not defined by what people have said about you your identity is not even defined by what you think about yourself your identity is in christ if you're a christian the bible says that you're a born again child of god your whole identity is defined by the truth that you're a son or daughter of god and that really does change everything i don't know about you but i've known this for a long time but i do believe that over the next season in this series god wants to help us understand a new depth and layer to what this identity really means for us whether wherever you are on your journey of faith even when things are feeling really great there is more there is never an end to discovering god's love for us the second thing that i think is really important for us to know at the start of this series is knowing where we are really at we need to be honest with ourselves about how our well-being is and be willing to recognize where we perhaps need to pay just a little bit more attention in the verse that we read earlier i'll read it again 1 kings 19:3 to 5 that elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to bathsheba in judea he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness he came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die i've had enough lord he said take my life i'm no better than my ancestors then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep elijah really had hit absolute burnout at this point he was fearful anxious depressed he didn't even want to live anymore but i don't think that he went from this bold confident person to being utterly broken overnight i'd suggest that elijah had perhaps like i did in 2018 not quite understood or perhaps 
wanted to acknowledge in the time leading up to this moment where he was really, truly at. The more secure we are in who we are in Christ, the more we can be open and honest about where things are at and how things are doing. Finding things difficult, facing burnout, feeling empty are not things that define us. But in order to move forward, we do need to recognize them. It may be that you're feeling great at the moment, and I really do hope that for many of us in this room that we're in a really good place. But we can still pay attention to our well-being to build resilience when things are going to be tough. A vulnerable and honest prayer for us this morning is to ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we really are. Like I said, I don't think Elijah shifted overnight in this way. I imagine he spent some time sort of in that amber zone. I expect his friends and family might have seen some warning signs, red flags. Perhaps even Elijah might have recognized the trajectory he was heading on if he'd paid closer attention to his well-being. At the end of a high point in ministry, winning this incredible victory, seeing the miraculous, answers to prayer and supernatural empowerment from God, there's no indication that he's a man about to burn out. Reading between the lines, something else really must have been going on for Elijah. Perhaps he was overdoing it and the emotional and spiritual intensity caught up with him. Outwardly, it was all looking really great, but perhaps internally he was more vulnerable than he displayed. Perhaps if Elijah had been more aware of his inner self, fear might have ha not have had such a tight hold on him as he fled. His situation didn't particularly change in that moment. There'd been a threat made against him, but this wasn't new. Um, if you read the Old Testament, prophets were very rarely popular people. But internally, something in Elijah had changed. He'd lost the bigger perspective of who he is and who God is. He spiralled into a really dark place. For me, this is a really sobering story because we really do need to pay attention to every aspect of our lives. It's easy to spiral when we don't pay attention to every area of our well-being. Gosh, I have friends who have led churches and organizations who've derailed their life because they weren't self-aware or caring about themselves. Our spiritual well-being is important, but we are human beings and every aspect of who we are is so intrinsically connected. I love how in James 5.17, the New Testament writer writes that Elijah was a human being, even as we are. It can be easy for any human being to run out of steam and hit a wall. But there are ways we can protect ourselves and each other from getting to that point. Because hopefully there's no one in this room that wants to burn out like Elijah did. In recognizing those times where it feels like you are beyond tired, that kind of longer-term tiredness where you just feel depleted and need to discover some tank-filling activities to replenish yourself. I think a big part of this self-awareness is understanding how you yourself are wired to help us understand how and why fear might creep in. I've already shared a little bit about how I was always overly busy. And busyness can have a multitude of different routes. It could be distraction, inadequacy, perfectionism. But for me, it often stemmed from the need to be an overachiever. Um, part of my personality, which is not necessarily bad, it's not bad to want to achieve and do well, um, but was amplified through my childhood with my own competitive tendencies, but also from being in a really highly pressurized school environment, for example. Wanting to achieve and do well is a great aspiration, but I've had to spend time unpicking and working through 
this to help me understand where that could become fearful. God wants us to be fully free, right? And balance is important. So for me, I have to spend time redefining for me what success means. What does God say success means? And how this is often a lot broader than what society tells us. The reality is, is that whatever is going on in you that might cause fear, it eats away at our energy and sense of identity. It's depleting. God wants to free us from that hold of fear in our lives. One key way that's helped me to be more self-aware is opening up to others, trusted friends. It can help us. Sometimes other people can see the things that we can't see in ourselves, our blind spots. The third thing that I want to remind us of um, and get us to focus on this morning is to know that we really can change. Sometimes we know glaringly well where we're at, but the challenge comes from knowing that we really can change. Things really can get better. At the start of a new year, we often find ourselves in that place, right? How many times have we tried to set New Year's resolutions and failed miserably? The beauty of Elijah's story is the hope found in the truth that we are not alone, but that God loves us and cares for us. In 1 Kings 19 verses 5 to 8, we read on, it says this, He laid down under the bush and fell asleep. At once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baking over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. This moment was a really transformational moment for Elijah. And the thing that really reassures me and I find speaks to my own humanity is that a snack and a nap for Elijah changed everything. Like, God knows what we need, right? We need time for recovery and replenishment alongside the times of output and pushing forward. I love that the angel sent by God doesn't preach at him. He doesn't try to motivate him to action, but simply tells him, Elijah, get up and eat. And then let him have a nap before telling him to eat again. How many of us here know that we're not really ourselves when we're tired and hungry? God knows what we need. And he isn't scared of when we are emotional and irrational either. Elijah was literally begging God to take his life away. But God still had a plan for Elijah. God knew that he would be a hero of faith for so many people. Even in his darkest times, when Elijah found himself fleeing and isolating himself for all support, God still had a plan. And that reassures me that he cares so much about us and knows exactly what we need. God lovingly and restored him and replenished him. Burnout wasn't the end for Elijah, but God cared about his whole well-being, allowed him the space to be strengthened before asking him to actually do anything else. God really is more concerned with who we are than what we do. After being restored and replenished by God, Elijah's story is beautiful. He has 10 more years of ministry where he does some really important things like raising up his successor, Elisha. And his story ends in two kings, not with death, um, but with him being miraculously transported to heaven. I mean, that's a way to go, right? 
Honestly, like I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that this story hasn't been turned into a Hollywood movie. There's so much emotion and action and personal development throughout his life. If you're feeling frozen or paralyzed, this morning we've got some time later to spend some time praying for breakthrough. And as we go through the series together, I'd really encourage you to embrace that well-being mindset that believes that positive change really is possible. It might not be quick or easy, but it is possible. A few months ago, as a pastoral team, we met with a psychotherapist um, for some training specifically in complex trauma to help us understand how to support others and to support ourselves. One of the incredibly encouraging things she told us, which isn't going to sound encouraging as I start to say it, was that trauma physically changes and damages someone's brain. But the encouraging thing is that she said is that with the right support and professional help, that's totally reversible. That the damage done can be reversed. Not only do we believe that God heals us, but there's also scientific evidence to back up the reality that wherever your starting point is, positive well-being and positive change really is possible. Not necessarily easy or simple, but absolutely possible. I want to encourage us to spur each other on and encourage one another, to cheer each other on and to challenge one another so that as a community together, we can be well. Whether you're doing great um, this season and want to see an increase of your well-being or whether you really are on the brink of burnout, know that you are loved by God. He really does know where you're at and you really can see change. As I come to the end of this message, I'd love to invite the worship team back up to join me. Over the course of this series, there'll be plenty of really practical ideas shared on a Sunday or in our small group sessions. But this week, my key encouragement really is to embrace the journey. It will look different for each one of us. Our journeys on this are all so different. Um, but there's always more we can learn in life, whether that's about ourselves or learning some practical things to help us thrive. Listen intently to what God might be saying to you in this season. He cares about you so much. Let's also commit to being a church where we can be open and honest with others about where we're at. Elijah's emotional struggles didn't alienate him from God, but he alienated himself from other people. And he spiraled only to his darkest place when he, when he isolated himself from his community. We won't have all the answers but we can support each other. We can celebrate together and grieve together through every season of life. I'd also really want to encourage you and take a moment just to say that re reach out to us if you need support in any way. We have a wonderful pastoral team here who are here for you, but there are also loads of really um, brilliant and fantastic professional mental health support out there too. Um, and please speak to us if you need help finding advice lines, counsellors or accessing any support that you need. God really does heal in miraculous ways and we absolutely believe that. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't access professional help too. Having counselling has honestly been one of the most freeing and empower empowering things I've ever done in my life. Um, beyond accepting Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, of course. But I'd really encourage anyone who isn't sure about that to come and have a chat with us because it's really important. So I'm going to pray for us. Please stand with me and the worship team will lead us in a time of sung worship together. Father, we thank you so much that you care so deeply about every part of who we are. That you care about every aspect of our lives. I pray for each one of us, whatever's going on in our lives, whatever part of this journey we're on, God. 
um, that you would speak to us, that you'd comfort us, that you'd come alongside us, that you'd tell us to have a snack and a nap if we need it, um, but also you would do some of that deeper work within us too. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Amen.